Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. And my guest this week is Anthea Gardner. She's the founder and managing partner at Cartesian Capital. Anthea, so thank you so much for joining me. Let's quickly talk about Cartesian. Interesting business. You only have a fixed income unit trust at the moment, but your main focus is on model portfolios. Can you just discuss exactly what is model portfolio and who invests in it? Hi, Ray. Thanks for the invitation. So, yes, what we realized was that there's a couple of routes you can take for your clients when you're investing. And obviously, we've got the money market unit trust, which works quite well, and we can accumulate retail money into that. But the thing with unit trusts generally in the country is that you need a minimum size investment of about 50 million rand before it becomes feasible, kind of from a cost perspective. And what we noticed was that there were platforms offering what we call model portfolios, or we could run model portfolios within structured notes. And so we've tended in the last couple of years actually to go that route. And so the platform said we run the model portfolio in the background. And as we sign on clients, we put them on this platform and the platform automatically allocates our model portfolio into the client's portfolio. Of course, it's very much like a unit trust. We simply buy and sell into this model portfolio and the platform really manages it for us. So a little bit cheaper than running a unit trust or, you know, you don't need the back office unitization of it all. Probably a little bit more labor intensive, I should say, for the actual platform. But the platforms we use have offered us really good rates. So I, I really can't complain about it. Is it cheaper for Cartesian or cheaper for investors? Definitely for our investors. So Cartesian never really pays the cost of, or in fact, no asset manager pays the actual cost of running. It comes out of fund and fund performance. So at the end of the day, whatever's cheaper for running the fund, whether it's Cartesian or the client, the client at the end of the day should benefit because his returns will be better. The only difference is that it doesn't have the beneficial tax status of the unit trust. So as I buy and sell shares within these model portfolios, if you're doing it in a unit trust, you don't have to submit your ITC3, I think it is, every year for a unit trust if you're not buying and selling units. You know, your tax only gets triggered, your tax event only gets triggered when you're buying and selling units. Whereas in the model portfolio, you do actually have to mm. submit your ITC3 because you're buying and selling shares in your segregated personal portfolio based on the model portfolio. Let's talk about the model portfolios. How are they structured? Do they contain multi-assets? How are they structured? Indeed. So we've got a number of portfolios. Under the structured note, we've got a pure equity portfolio. Then on a separate platform, we've got model portfolios that are Regulation 28 compliant and multi-asset. There we use the platform's license to wrap it for the client to make it a multi-asset Reg 28 compliant portfolio. Interesting. But let's talk about the market. Let's start with the Reg 28 fund portfolio you refer to, which forces you to invest a lot in the local market. What do you think of the local market at the moment? Sure, Rake. So I'm afraid I'm, I'm a little bit negative on, on the local market. My view at the moment is, and, and, and of course, the equity market has run so hard. It's almost bizarre. It, but very much, the, let's talk about the equity market first. So the equity market, I almost want to compare it to sovereign debt, right? It's near impossible for a company 
to be rated above the sovereign debt of the country it operates in. So it's difficult for, in my view, companies to recover or to perform well in a flailing economy, which is exactly where I think South Africa is at the moment. I think the cogs in our economic machine in South Africa are grinding very slowly. Then on the flip side, we've got the fixed income market where we've got this incredibly steep yield curve, something we haven't seen certainly not in my lifetime in the fixed income market in South Africa, and just indicating very different return profiles, basically. Yes, but if you take out NASPERS and the mining companies from the recent performance over the past few months, other companies have performed poorly. But that, exactly, Rick, you, you're spot on. This, this rally on the JSE is not broad-based, right? And, and so the, the other thing is you'll obviously find, I think, very cheap companies or, or good entry points. But my concern, of course, is that going forward, the, there needs to be a catalyst for these shares to come back. And I'm afraid, in my view, we just don't have the pent-up demand that other economies have coming out of lockdown. So even though I think Banks are very cheap. Retailers have had such a terrible knock because they've been closed. Even as they come out of lockdown and start opening and start re-engaging, the problem is that we're in a situation in South Africa where we went into lockdown with not a very strong economy to start. And if you think of tens of thousands of companies that are going into business rescue in the, or that have gone into business rescue in the last couple of months, on top of this incredibly all-time high unemployment rate, I don't know where the demand is going to come from, actually. Yes, we need a, a growing economy. We need companies to grow their profits. And it's a, a bit of a snowball, but currently the the snowball doesn't want to, to start. It seems to be very, very reluctant to actually get moving. And, and there's a lot of things that need to happen. And one thing I'm really worried about is South Africa's fiscal position. R.W. Johnson said on uh, on a webinar last week that we could be at the IMF's door within a few months. I don't think it will be within a few months, but we will get there at the current trajectory. What will happen the moment South Africa defaults on, on bonds? What do you think will happen and, and how should an investor look at the eventualities? So you've made an assumption that South Africa will default on its bonds. And the one thing that I'm fairly certain about, actually, and, and I touch wood here, is that South Africa won't default on its debt. I mean, I know that the yield curve is steepened and the short ends come down and the long end is still very high, all things considered. And that does indicate that basically investors are saying, well, actually, we're a little bit nervous about South Africa and its ability to repay debt going forward. You know, going to the IMF and defaulting are not the same thing. So I don't think South Africa will default. I think there is a chance that we will end up at the IMF. And in fact, I think the government would rather, and I, I say this with caution, would rather print money than default on its debt. And unfortunately, the downside of printing money, no matter what the reason, is a weakening currency. I'm hoping that foreign investors will continue their search for yield. So South Africa, relative to the rest of the world, at least, in fact, offers some yield. In fact, is a very good high yield compared to the rest of the world. And I have been a bit disappointed that foreign holdings in bonds haven't actually increased in kind of the last six months. And I'm guessing it's partly due to our credit rating downgrade. Yes, but, but the foreigners are running away from our bond market. But, in, but that's in, in exactly... Droves. 
well, I don't know about in droves, but I think certainly they have run away. And I, that's why I said I was really disappointed by it. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they'll come back in search of this yield because that would be the ultimate catalyst for us. As investors invest in our bonds, the yields come down, cheaper access to capital for not just government, but also for companies. And that would be kind of the golden scenario. And because I think South African government won't default on its debt, it becomes a less risky trade than what we seem to imagine it. I I really think South Africans are quite negative about the whole situation at the moment. And I'm I'm not different, actually. I'm genuinely worried about, as you say, the fiscal position, which just looks dreadful at the moment. And I did read Johnson's article. But and, and so, so actually, so, so here's what I was trying to say earlier on is the distinction between going to the IMF and government default. I think going to the IMF is not that terrible a situation. I think they'll take the purse strings from us and actually force government to do what they should have been doing in the last couple of years, and that's tightening the purse strings and actually just taking control of this debt that's running away from us and kind of figuring out how to generate revenue. But again, how should an investor look at this? Should you take action now to try and mitigate the risks? Oh, certainly. So Cartesian is currently working on an offshore solution because we do think that it's going to take a while for South African economy to recover and therefore the JSC to stay at these elevated levels. So certainly I see in the local market a lot of volatility going forward. And yes, absolutely, you need to diversify. I mean, that was always going to be an issue, right? And and when I say diversification into offshore markets, again, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that you're going to get massively huge returns from the global markets. And so if you're managing in my view kind of the way I'm doing it at the moment is that I'm going to stay fairly close to benchmark on the offshore portfolios and not run absolute funds because I think the risk is is also a little bit high. The global economy is not great, but I think they've got, compared to South Africa, a lot more ability for stimulus. And so, yes, as an investor, you definitely need to be diversified offshore. But there's a difference between being diversified offshore and trying to get as much money out of the country as possible, because, you know, a lot of their money will be tied up in pension savings, RAs within Regulation 28 needs to be invested in South Africa. But would you advise if you have discretionary money to look offshore to mitigate the local risks, not to merely think of it as a diversification? Certainly, absolutely. Unfortunately, as South Africans, we have so... Broadly speaking, we have so little discretionary savings and investments. But yes, you would, I would say, absolutely, you need to be offshore. Also, as a hedge, and if you are forced to be invested locally, the bond funds are still paying, the income funds are still paying really decent returns. I I don't think this is the time to be looking for extraordinary returns. I think play it safe, be kind of, you know, look to the bond market for kind of consistent returns. And looking offshore, Jerome Powell last week said they will take a more relaxed view on inflation and that in economists speak is we're going to keep interest rates lower for longer. And that will, of course, stimulate foreign markets, especially the U.S. market. And that makes decisions complicated because the U.S. market is very expensive But due to his comments, it may even rise further, but there's risk. 
Indeed. <laughs> so, so isn't that the irony of what we're talking about? You're talking about investing offshore where markets, as in the U.S., are very expensive and not being invested in South Africa where things look very cheap. Mm. But the, the catalyst for whether or not the market rallies higher or stays or goes turns negative, I think that's what we're, talk, we're trying to figure out. So obviously, Powell's comments about extending their inflation target to be an average and not this absolute 2% number implies that rates are going to be lower for longer. And therefore, as you say, a boost really to the equity market. And, and so you should, in the medium term, see equity markets rally because that is the catalyst. And again, it's stimulatory for the kind of the markets rather than the economy, generally speaking. I mean, I think the concern with what Powell was saying the other day was that this inflation, the rise in inflation may not necessarily be the right kind of inflation that they want. So instead of getting demand inflation, you're seeing inflation coming from production competition or, or other streams. And, and that unfortunately kind of runs out of steam at some stage. So we'll see what happens with the inflation. I mean, they've been trying for what? 10 years to get this inflation number higher. That was Anthea Gardner. She's the founder and managing partner at Cartesian Capital.